0: Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to episode five of Hang Time with Helgi, hosted by yours truly, Luke Halgerson. I've been away for too long, been meaning to do episode five now, finally getting it done, finally getting back on the mic. Just happy to be here. It is now officially Wednesday, the 26th of February in the year 2020. Uh, Staying up late tonight here on the East Coast, watching this West Coast basketball game of the Los Angeles Lakers against the New Orleans Pelicans, because it's it's the clash of LeBron and Zion, two athletes who will forever be connected because of their similar build and stature and how they came into this uh, being rookies just the way they were looked at of just already superstar status handed to them at this age like new orleans has been on tv a lot this year and it's just because of this rookie zion williamson i think they were in the better half the, the top half of teams you know shown on national tv and of course you know he's lived up to the hype he's only played in like 17 games with averaging 20 points right there just for a rebound over dwight howard Score right now, 95 92. Nine minutes to go. And uh, oh so getting that thrown by Alex Caruso. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The Bald Eagle headband coming in a hot swatting Lonzo. Oh my goodness gracious. And then it's off Lonzo. That is 100% a block, too. Like, oh my good lord. Social media are going to be blowing that up here in a second. Alley oop to Dwight gets deflected away. I know I'm doing a little extra commentating on this game, Lonzo with the three bottoms, ninety five, ninety five. You know, and this is what we're going to do for the first half of the podcast. We will get to the five topics, but for now we're going to commentate the the fourth quarter of this game. This because uh, LeBron right down the lane. Ninety-seven, ninety-five, eight thirty to go. Steal by Caruso on oh, and Caruso goes up and one. Alex Caruso. Oh my goodness! The Headband Gang is at it strong. Headband Gang is at it strong, and there's Caruso getting the steal. Transition bucket foul on J.J. Redick, and it's, it's something about Caruso. Uh, I. The memes are funny. The memes are very funny. But this, he can play. He can play. I think with all the jokes, people don't realize how actually talented he is. Obviously, they're in the NBA. All these guys are super, uber talented. But I think Caruso is honestly underrated. I know the hype of him. People are like, oh, he's the GOAT. Even LeBron and Lakers say that to him joking. I don't know if it's jokingly, but Caruso can play. Caruso is a dog out there. He can make open shots. He is super athletic. He's got good vision out there on the court. Only helps him playing with LeBron James, too. Seeing, dissected things, and to talk to him. It's just, Caruso's a big energy guy for them. And there's a reason they didn't trade him. There's a reason they didn't get rid of him for your Derrick Roses of the world. There's a reason they held on to him at the deadline. Gosh, they're just showing a replay of Zion going over Dwight Howard to get a rebound. And my goodness, he just he can just fly. Forget jumping. This man floats. Zion floats. 196. Zion knocks down both free throws. Three-point game. 810 to go. Braun to the bench. They've struggled when LeBron has gone to the bench. Like Lakers were up 14 in the third quarter. He went to the bench. Pelicans got a one-possession game. And there's Caruso all the way down the cup, making it a f- all the way to the cup. Man, Caruso getting after it. On the floor right now, Lonzo, Reddick, Hart, Williamson, Malley. couple Super young team, super young team for New Orleans. And that's the way you got to do it. Play the young bucks together. Davis all the way to the basket. No foul. He wanted the foul right there. Transition for the Pelicans. Zion on Caruso cannot get it, but Lonzo with the follow-up, and good attack there by Lonzo, not taking it easy, One hundred two 7.20 to go in the game, and they're just letting LeBron get a little rest, I imagine he's going to come in five, six minutes to go, Davis all the way to the basket, fouled, he'll go to the free throw line, Caruso just doing everything, making that pocket pass, to Davis right there, drawing him, getting the free throw line, you know, making steals, Getting and ones on the other end. Big time blocks on Lonzo. It's it's the Carew show, baby. It's the Carew show. He's got a lot of talent. Lakers on the floor right then. Caruso, Davis, Green, Howard. And is that Morris? Morris making his Laker debut. And it looks like he's getting subbed out for. That is going to be your one. Who's that? Pope? No, that's Avery Bradley. So A.V. Bradley now out there with Caruso in the backcourt. Drew Holiday comes on the court, too. Gosh, just good, good, solid teams here. This is a good matchup. I think the Pelicans might be able to get to the playoffs. We'll see. We will see. They do have one of the easiest schedules remaining with only thir- about 30 games left. They- and they have the weakest schedule. They could do it. And, you know, Memphis is hovering at 500. If you just get a little above 500, that'll get you that eighth spot in the West. It'll be close, though. It's going to be a good finish. A lot of teams right there. I think at this point, it's Memphis, Portland, or New Orleans. I think the Spurs have fallen too far off. Caruso pulling up from three cannot hit. And they're going to call offensive rebound. Well, I... Oh, no, defensive foul. Nelly. Dwight Howard. We're getting a timeout here. 103.99, four minutes to go. It's going to be a thriller down to the end. But the big highlight of this game got to be the matchup between LeBron and Zion. And I guess that'll be my first topic of the day since we're going to commercial as I commentate the rest of this. Yeah, They will forever be linked. It's... It's kind of unfortunate that we do this to athletes and don't let them have their own careers. And we just love to play the compare game. We just love to do it. We love to compare guys to each other. we love to just say who is better, like why they're not better than this person. It's a very definitive way that we like to think when it comes to sports. We always got to connect someone to someone else. Like we always like to say Kobe was just like Michael, mirror image of Michael. You know, he did the fadeaway, He did the tongue stuff. When he was playing for going for dunks, the athleticism of them, their just drive to never lose and win at all costs, the Mamba mentality, his Aaron, it's just, it was all connected to Jordan. We all had to make it very similar to Jordan. We even do it with LeBron too. We specifically compare LeBron to Michael Jordan of like greatest of all time. But as player, we always like to be like, well, LeBron's a little more like magic, a little more passing, likes to make the right play, does all that. We can never separate players. We need to allow guys to be different. Guys are different. Guys do different things. Guys make different things happen out on the court. It's not all similar to everyone. And I think we need to separate Zion from LeBron. It needs to be separate because, yeah, they might be super athletic. Yeah, they might be very hype number one picks. That, but that's that's really the similarities. Right there like yeah there hasn't there's not much else other than that they're both incredible talents they're both unbelievable players i don't think we have to just be like oh zion is the next lebron how about we let zion just be zion and how about we enjoy lebron while we still have him in year 17 35 years of age like i hope lebron can play for another four or five years but that's that's hope and a prayer that he stays healthy and father time remains undefeated. I just want to keep seeing LeBron do great with all the mileage he has. Keep it up. But I think we just need to stop this comparison. It, no, We don't have to compare all these athletes to each other. They can all be their own separate person and do their own greatness and, achieve, and have achieved their own level of greatness. And then we can talk and then we can compare their greatnesses with each other, and we can compare with their resumes and how those speak for themselves, and that's how we can compare guys. It shouldn't just be based off things that don't really matter. It's it's insignificant things, but you know they will always be tied together, and uh, you know it's a shame, but it, and it puts a lot of pressure on Zion to m- make sure that he has to be good that he, you know, lives up to expectations. He's got big shoes to fill of, you know, they compare him to who I think is the greatest player of all time. It's not it's not a fair way to go about it, and it's, you know, unacceptable to put that kind of pressure on a player at ni- 20 years old. Like, he can't even buy alcohol legally yet. He just can't. Back to the game, though, and it's, you know, we back 11 blocks already for the Lakers tonight. Caruso picking up that 11th. Anthony Davis just got fouled there, trying to get it inside to him. 642 to go, One hundred three ninety-nine. Davis has been a good free-throw shooter throughout the year, but I've seen him miss a lot of free-throws of late. And I'm not just thinking of the one free-throw he missed in the All-Star game to give us a little tension. But, you know, in some of these games, I've seen him miss the technical free-throw. He missed a bunch of free-throws the other night against Boston in what might have been the best game of the year so far in terms of big shot by LeBron, back and forth affair. No one could gain any kind of advantage. And uh, it was it was just a great game. But anyways, Lakers take the lead. Davis knocks down both, so I bite my tongue. 105-99, 625 to go. Ingram with it, slings it over to Hart. Hart over to Holiday, back to Hart. Hart pulls up from three, rims in and out. Holiday almost gets a rebound, but Dwight snags it away. Caruso now running it. No brawn on the floor with six minutes to go. Davis and Howard in the front court. Then we got Caruso, Bradley, and Green out there. And a turnover there by Caruso, but he gets knocked away, and he somehow manages to retain it. Davis for three now, and that rims in and out. So back-to-back missed threes for both teams. Ingram now with it. Green on him. Ingram going all the way to the basket. Dumps it off to favors. He gets tripped up by Caruso. No foul call. Out to Nelly. Nelly step back three. Oh, another in and out. Just that, whew, that was close. Yeah. I don't know who this twenty like nine year old rookie is from Italy, or 26, however he is, but he, he's got a little game. He's shown me some things tonight. Caruso trying to get all the way to the basket. Cannot convert. Yeah, Caruso, you know, only averages like four points, and there's putting, oh okay, putting himself in position, but get that swatted by the defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. No, sir, not in this house. Danny Green corner three bottoms. And Davis a little hobbled right there. He's, you know, holding his what looks to be left arm down. And he might be in some pain. He's not hustling up the floor. Yeah, he's definitely got, you know, definitely a little concerned right now. 108.99. Yeah, he's he's not really moving that left arm great. Danny Green comes up short on the three. And then hits it out of bounds. And it looks like they're going to either call timeout. Yep, Alvin Alvin Gentry's going to call timeout. Braun's going to come on. Kuzma's going to come on. Zion's going to come in. Get that swatted, Anthony Davis. Now, he is holding the arm that he blocked it with. So I am thinking that he just went up there and hit his arm on the backboard when he went up to block the shot. That looks like what he's holding. He's holding that area that hit the lower part of the backboard. I think he's just funny bone, you know, just, you know, he, he swatted it, swatted it. And I stand by the statement, Anthony Davis is winning defensive player of the year. The Lakers lead the league in blocks, and he's the main reason why. He he, guard, he can guard one through five, which is incredible to say for a guy who's seven feet tall. He can guard point guards with his length and his ability to recover. And honestly, his foot speed, his length he can guard guards and he's a center and he blocks everything. No easy buckets in Anthony Davis's paint. No easy buckets. No easy buckets. That's why he's just sending that back. Seen a lot of highlights this game. Yeah, I couldn't imagine how social media is having their hands full with this one having their hands full. So refs better be on their best behavior is all I got to say. This is the kind of game where it builds up to. It's it's usually how it works. We get like a, a slightly awful call at the end. And then, you know, people put the, bl- and it's just completely blatant, should be easily changed, reviewable, whatever you want to call it, but it's not. It's just, You gotta get these calls right, and I just specifically, you know, I know I'm rambling here, but about the, the refs with that goaltending call for Utah against Portland, Damian Lillard having it not called when Gobert clearly goaltended. It's just the refs. You gotta get it right. You gotta get it right, and it's just been bad. It's just been bad. I understand not always getting the call right. It happens. It's, a, it's a, clearly an obvious thing that can happen, you know. But that's why we have replay. Why install replay? Could all, all this effort spend all this time to make calls, change calls, allow coaches challenges if we're still not going to get the call right at the end of the day? It's like get the call right. Do what's right for the game. Make sure that what happens is the right thing that's supposed to happen. Don't be taking away teams that are fighting for playoff spots. You can't t- be taking away wins, and you can't also be handing out losses. you got to put it in the players' hands. And we're back to this game. They're showing the replay right here of the Davis block, and, yeah, it looks like he's just, you know, he banged his arm on the backboard. He's staying out there. Braun's back in the game. So on the floor is Pope, Howard, Davis, Braun, Green. And as for the Pelicans, and we're going to have a foul on Brandon Ingram on a three by Danny, excuse me, foul on Danny Green on Brandon Ingram on a three-point attempt. And Braun saying he kicked out his leg. Let's see what we got here. Uh, it doesn't look like he let him land. I think it's the right call. They got it right, because he ran right into his lower leg. Anyways, 108. 99 430 to go ingram going to the free throw line he's got 28 points tonight very quiet 28 points as the former lakers you know showing that he belongs in this league and jim jackson mentioned something earlier in this game that sometimes in you know change of area code does you service and i think that speaks volumes in all sports change of scenery can do wonders for just your mentality, for what's going on in your personal life. It just, it can change everything. And I'm sure it did. You know, the Lakers probably drafted Ingram to be an all-star. He showed he's all-star level talent coming out of Duke. Like, that's what he showed. But then LeBron James comes in and it's like, oh, well, that completely changes his trajectory because now LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands and... He's going to be the one creating for Ingram. Whereas Ingram's kind of a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And New Orleans has put that ball right in his hands. Hey, we need you to score. And sure enough, first-time All-Star this year. Good for him. A lot of guys are hurt this year, but, you know, he's still dropping 31. He's had a great season so far for a team that, you know, has been right about where they should be in New Orleans. I feel like with Zion, they, if he was healthy the whole year, they would have been better. Braun. Drew Holiday on him. The fadeaway cannot convert. Good defense by Holiday, forcing him to take that contested jumper. Holiday crosses over, dumps it down. Zion Williamson just too easy. He just elevates so quickly on his first and or second jump. Zion with 27. Just two guys who can you know score 30 a night. Danny Green pump fake steps in. Long-range deuce, but a nice shot from the mid-range. 110-104, 338 to go. Holiday now with it. Braun on him. I really like Holiday's game. He's a good defender, good ball handler, good shooter. Ingram, top of the key, Green on him. Good ball movement by the Pelicans. Ingram's got to create something. Poked away by Green. Green now with it on the break. Three on one, LeBron James with the Hammer! Gosh, LeBron is just getting up tonight, throwing it down. Brandon Ingram cannot hit the quick three. 112-104. Three minutes to go in the ball game. LeBron James in what could be the game ceiling dunk gets all the way to the basket. Too easy with the layup. Kiss it off the glass. LeBron back to a 10-point lead. And God, when LeBron is on the court, the Lakers run away with it. But when he's not. Uh, They, uh, you know, they go a little stagnant. They get good shots. They just got to convert. Josh Hart pulling up, cannot hit. You know, the Pelicans take the most threes in in the league, and I understand it. Live by the three, die by the three, but I think they settle for too many threes. They got some good three-point shooters, but I've seen them come down the floor so many times where their first look is a three-point shot by the guy who brought the ball up the court. Could poke away there by Green, showing the replay. LeBron hammer, he was going to do something nasty, but Hart tried to get in the way again, making Zion jump on another layup. It's just the LeBron James show is what it really is. LeBron fade away, cannot hit. He just hit that game winner the other night against the Boston Celtics. Holiday dumping it down to Zion, poked away by anthony davis and it ends up bouncing off zion's knee and there there it is right there that's why he's defensive player of the year the way he he's just got such quick hands his length it's just it's a, impossible to get around him yes guys score on him but when it comes to defense if there's no other guy in the league i'd rather have than anthony davis at the defensive end. if i want someone to go get me a stop it's either Giannis or anthony davis Davis, corner three, air ball. Pelicans are looking to get out in transition here. Ingram, over to Holiday. Holiday behind the back. Cannot hit, too strong for the layup. Gets his own rebound after he gets poked around by the trees out there. He dumps it off. Ingram now with it. Almost gets it taken away by Danny Green, and we're not going to get a foul call. Green goes right into the back of Holiday when he's trying to recover the ball, and the refs do not call a foul. And Holiday goes right out of bounds. Very unfortunate there. 134 to go. Definitely a foul call. It's a foul any other time of the game. At any other point in time, they're calling a foul on that. But they don't. 114, 104. LeBron now with it. Holiday's been on him a lot. I don't know if they have been doing this on purpose or if that's just the matchup. But Holiday has been on LeBron a lot this game. LeBron getting all the way to the basket. Cannot hit too strong on it. Holiday looking to push. Still time for the Pelicans. Dumps it down to Zion. Zion, too strong, and they're going to get a call on Pope saying he was holding Zion. Zion's going to get to the free throw line. Or actually, that was the foul to give. Nope, they're in the bonus. So Zion can cut it to eight if he makes both free throws. Yeah, they're giving Caruso a lot of crunch time minutes too. Like They're letting him do work for sure. And I need to speak on this. LeBron James, another 30-plus point game. And if all things come as they should, with how this game should play out, the Lakers, you know, eight points might be a little too early to call it with one ten to go. Zion, well, a nine-point game. If Zion makes his next free throw, it'll be eight. You know, I think the Lakers will hold on to it, but I never, I never want to speak too early because I have seen crazier things in a basketball game. You know, Tracy Mcgrady did score thirteen. Thirteen points in thirty seconds. This is the most incredible thing happened. So anything can happen. Never turn that dial. Never change that dial. No lead is ever safe in the NBA. Lakers were up fourteen at one point early in the third quarter. Pelicans turned that into a four point lead, going on a huge run. Crusoe now with it dumps it out to Green. Green for the corner three. Bottoms on that. Bottoms in front of the Pelicans bench. That's that could be that could be your dagger right there. One seventeen. One oh six. Gosh, they really like to force it up to Zion. Zion puts himself in good position, though. see it a lot when, you know, other team scores, they try to get the ball up the floor quick. That's when they get a lot of lobs to Zion. It's a, you know, they try to run. Pelicans try to run. They run it and they shoot it. And, you know, it's a good mindset to have Alvin Gentry, you know, coached with Golden State. It's kind of the thing that they created, you know, this And I don't even think it's fair to say for Golden State, just because they had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who are the two greatest shooters ever. They didn't necessarily live and die by the three. They scored a number of different ways. They had a lot of good ball movement, a lot of good pacing. You know, they would get up the floor quick for transition. It wasn't just, you know, they're just hucking threes left and right. It's, It's a very intricate offense, and Alvin Gentry was right there for it. And uh, he's trying to implement that with the Pelicans and with how many young guys they got and how much talent that this team has shown that they can have. It's, I believe in the Pelicans. Give it two years. I think give it two, three years, and they'll be in title contention. If everyone develops as they should, if Zion's supposed to be the superstar if he, that he is, if Brandon Ingram you know, can still average 25 a night, if Lonzo becomes that much better, that much stronger, that much better of a shooter, you know Josh Hart keeps doing his thing. Yeah, you know, I think they should hold on to Drew Holiday if that's where they want to be in a couple of years because he's a good veteran leader. It's I like where the Pelicans are at. You gotta like you gotta like where they're at, and I just give it time. You gotta be patient with it. Can't I don't I don't think you can force the issue. I don't. I don't think you can make any big time try. I would try to keep these people together. But LeBron putting on a 40-piece tonight. Got 40-6. and And that's what King James does. Ingram coming up short on that three. Somehow the Pelicans get the rebound. And they manage to get a third chance. Ingram trying to hit from that same spot. And he does. It didn't even look like it went through the net, but unbelievable shot by Ingram, but might be too little too late. 117-109 now, 30 seconds to go. LeBron's out of the game after dropping 40 on him. It needs to be noted the Lakers are undefeated when LeBron scores over 30 points. And now they're showing it. LeBron's eating red vines on the sideline. (laughs) LeBron eating candy on the sideline right now. And yeah, it's so Pope's going to the free throw line. He does miss. So eight-point game. But is that... <laughs> Braun is the absolute truth. He out there giving them 40 and then asking fans for red vines. And who's going to not give LeBron James a red vine if they got him? Pope misses both free throws. Unbelievable. Here we go. Holiday now with it. Quick. Down to Zion. Zion gets fouled by Kuzma. Good foul. Yeah... Moore is making his debut, and i got to tell you, I like this Laker team. I've liked them all year. They were my championship pick early, and I'm I'm really liking it. I really like what they got. I love the pieces that they got. Chemistry speaks volumes for what teams, what teams need come postseason. Zion could make it a six-point game, but he misses the first free throw. So now he can only trim that lead to seven. 22 seconds left. Could be too little too late. And I think it is. And once again, you know, Lakers stay undefeated. LeBron scores more than 30. I think they're 18-0. and 0. Tonight it might be 19, or it might be 18 tonight. Zion misses both free throws. And we're going to get a foul. Not much of a foul, but you know, at this point, the game is a wrap. And this is um this is what LeBron has to do. LeBron's setting an example, you know. You know, the cameras are going to be all over it at the end of the game when they dap each other up. But LeBron has to set an example and show Zion what this is and who he is and put the league on notice too because you know a lot of people are paying attention to this game tonight. Like, this is a big game. Zion, you know, LeBron, the first ever matchup, you know, TNT game. You know, I know it's the late game, so they you don't get those East Coast viewers, but I feel like a lot of people are watching this game. And for good reason, too. It's been a good one. It's been enjoyable. There's been a lot of fireworks. You know, Alvin Gentry calling timeout. We're not giving up. There's no giving up here in the NBA. We're not taking it easy. But this is it's been a good one. Lakers should win this one. But LeBron putting Zion on his on notice saying, hey, I'm still here putting the league on notice, telling people I am still here. I know it's just 40, Bradley Beal's dropped 50 in back-to-back games. I understand that. But LeBron's still showing in prime time, when it matters most, back-to-back games, I'm getting the job done. I'm going out there, and I'm the greatest player on the planet. I'm the greatest basketball player to ever do it, in my opinion. LBJ. And he's still getting it done. Still getting it done. And I think he, he needed this, had to show that he's still the man had to show that he could still get after it from time to time putting these young bucks in their place saying hey you got a long way to go and i'm sure it you know a little extra motivation as well knowing that the lakers traded half pretty much half their roster for the other superstar that you get to play with so you got to prove those guys wrong i'm sure they came in with that motivation to be like hey they traded us we need to go out there but lebron's probably like hey we're going to show you why we traded you, because we're this great. And, of course, sure enough, they're pulling it up right here when we get come back to the broadcast. Parison of LeBron James, Zion Williamson. LeBron dropped 48 rebounds, off 17 of 27. Zion, 29 points, 8 of 18 from the field. He's got 6 rebounds. Bron's played 35 minutes. Zion's played 33. And we're just going to compare these two for the rest of their lives. And it's very unfortunate. Like, let Zion be Zion. Let Zion, you know, play more than 17 games. And he does tie Carmelo Anthony for the most drinks of 20 or more by a a rookie who's 20 years or younger. And that's incredible. And here we come. The the dap up that we've been waiting for. He daps up Ingram saying, you're my boy, daps up Lonzo. And we're just waiting for it just waiting for this, you know, dap up of LeBron to Zion. And maybe Zion won't give him the time of day. I don't know how you could big league LeBron, but maybe you do. I don't know. Anyways, LeBron, you know, getting that post-game interview and uh big win, another win for the Lakers. That makes 6 in a row still on top of that Western Conference. I just don't see who's going to dethrone him. I don't see who's taking him out. I don't I don't see it. I think LeBron's hoisted number four at the end of this season. I firmly believe, and I really hope so. 65th ca- career 40-point game for LeBron. It's the season high tonight, and he just, he hasn't been that scorer. He's wanted to be that facilitator all year, but he finally had a big scoring game, and I think he did it for a reason. I think he did it, you know, strategically, you know, a strategic 40-point game, knowing that the, the next great one could be coming into the building and I really hope Lonzo I excuse me Lonzo Zion can stay healthy because that's going to be the difference for him if he can stay healthy and you know the best ability is availability and you got to stay available in this league and you got to be consistent and just some of Zion's moves to the basket are just ridiculous just incredible and you know they gotta ask LeBron about it and I'm sure and you know LeBron's gonna give the right answer he's a great player a lot of promise and that he is he's a great player with a lot of promise and you know but he's got a long way to go got a long way to go because I ain't never seen him go right I'm gonna tell you that right now I don't know how you stop it I don't know how you stop him from going left but he's he can't he don't go right He does not go right. So whatever I'm doing, if I'm a coach and I'm, whoever's defending him, dear God, force him right. Force him right. I understand he's uber athletic and it might, you know, be impossible to stop anyways, but at least get him out of his comfort zone. Just force him right. Force him right. Force him right. Whatever you got to do, force him right. But uh, enough about this game. It's a wrap. Lakers six in a row and uh, it's, it was a good game. I love good basketball games. God, this is when basketball starts to get good, right when right when spring training starts. That's when basketball makes a switch to being, ooh, awesome, because then it goes right into the NBA All-Star break. That picks it up to then we get into March Madness time to then we get into NBA Playoff time. It's, just, it's the sweet time of year for sports. It's a very sweet time of year. I love this time of year. And, um, but... Anyways, game's over, but we'll get to the five topics. Well, technically four, since I already kind of spoke on the LeBron-Zion thing that I wanted to speak on. Big topic number two that I got to talk about is uh, remembering the legend that is Kobe Bryant. I know I've talked about this before in another podcast, but they just had the memorial for him yesterday. And it was it was truly saddening to listen to his wife speak about him and Gigi and it's just it truly is heartbreaking it just listening to her words it's just it's just so sad what they must be going through and what happened to him and I I couldn't imagine couldn't imagine losing a family member so abruptly like that and it's it's just absolutely terrible losing a husband a father like that and if a daughter, your sister, just it, absolutely horrific, and, you know, the, the tributes that they were given, the Michael Jordan thing, is just, you know, seeing the way he just got so emotional about it, and like he said, he always saw Kobe as a little brother, and yeah, you could see it, you know, the way they interacted on the court, you know, everyone's seen the all-star clips of them going at it with each other, and it's, you know, a sight to behold, and, It's just, you know, Michael was crushed. He was hurt, and his emotions spilled out in front of us, and we got another crying Jordan meme. But it truly shows. It's the most human thing that Michael Jordan has ever done. We always have seen it as Michael Jordan's, this superhero athlete who can't be stopped, the ultimate winner, just unbelievably resentless and just... You don't see you don't get a lot of human out of Michael Jordan. We've anointed him as a, the kind of this superhero, you know, he's the superstar of the shoes. You know, he, people consider him the greatest player of all time. It's just we haven't really learned who Michael Jordan is. Whereas like LeBron, he's been scrutinized since day 1. We know exactly who he is. He's been very upfront and forward with us and has given us a lot of information about his personal life whereas Michael Jordan kind of keeps it separate kind of keeps his you know lets his game talk and kind of keeps it silent with his personal life and I think that's okay you don't need to be telling everyone your business and spilling all, everything that you want people to know like you don't you don't need to tell that that's his right he doesn't want to speak out but for him to go out there and, you know, give such a good speech about Kobe and, you know, get all emotional about it, too. And in front of all of the people that were there and not being shy about it is just it really it really humanized Michael Jordan. And you know, it just shows how big and significant this was like Staples Center was sold out. It was, it was packed. Everyone who. Was anyone was at the funeral as far as the NBA community is concerned? They were all there. From his airness, Bill Russell, Jerry West, Shaquille O'Neal made a speech. You know, if you look at it, you know, obviously Anthony Davis, the late Dwight Howard, Russell West, but just looking at some of the pictures, you just see all the guys who are there that just how many lives that Kobe touched and just he's a legend who will never be forgotten. And he never should be forgotten for what he did on the court and for what he did off the court. He, he's a he's a legend. He is a true legend, and it's unfortunate that we lost a legend this soon. And that's why I think it's affected so many people is because it was Kobe Bryant. I mean, he was he was always sitting courtside. It was just and he was willing to help out with the younger guys to reach out to them. You know, he told Giannis to win the MVP next. Uh he was like, all right, next goal. Now go win a championship. You know, he helped Jason Tatum out in the offseason when it came to doing moves and footwork and he was good friends with Kyrie and it just he was always willing to help a hand have a helping hand as a veteran and listening to his Kobe detail things. It was just the guy was just so smart basketball-wise. And then he just the symbol of just the Mamba mentality of just Win at all costs. Do whatever it needs to be done. It's just, it's a great way to live by if you want to achieve something great. And Kobe certainly achieved something great, and that's why it, it, it's truly, truly heartbreaking. It, it's still heartbreaking now. Even I, not that much time has passed, but it's just, Kobe should never be forgotten, and I hope Kobe is never forgotten. And every time. I shoot something in the trash can, I tell you, I'm yelling Kobe. Every time I'm tossing anything in any little thing, I'm yelling Kobe. Because can't let his legacy die. Kobe Bean Bryant. RIP. Rest in peace to the legend. That was topic number two. Let's get to topic number three. Topic number three, you know, we're sticking a lot with the NBA today. I can tell you that. Topic number three, the big one, is Ben Simmons is hurt and a source is saying that the Sixers do not expect Ben Simmons back soon, and they, uh, apparently his injury is—he has a nerve impigment in his lower back and is expected to be sidelined for an extended period. Simmons is undergoing treatment and will be reevaluated in two weeks, but there is little expectation that it'll be cool. That he will be close to return to the lineup at that 14-day benchmark, so they don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And nor should they rush him back. They're going to make the playoffs in the East, and you need your best guy fully healthy. But uh, Simmons is just—I don't know if this Simmons Embiid thing can work. You know, I feel bad that he's hurt, but I—I I don't think they work with each other. And Embiid can say, "Oh, the media wanted to break the has been wanting to break these two up," and I don't think that's the case. I think people just use their eyes and see. People see what happens on the court. They both need to get to the basket to be successful. It's a logjam. It's a logjam, and it do, it does it doesn't work, and it's shown that it doesn't work because Embiid the the next game that Ben Simmons didn't play to, and Embiid. Pl- played by himself. He had a career night. Career high in points. Watch the game. Embiid went off. He was absolutely incredible. They did it against the Atlanta Hawks and Embiid was absolutely unstoppable. And it's like, "Hmm, how is he so good?" Well, no one's there no one else is a non-shooter on the court. Yes, Embiid can shoot. It's not what I'm saying. Embiid still needs to get in in the lane, close to the basket. Work on those post moves. That's how Embiid gets his bread and butter and scores 30 a night. He does it off post moves. Yeah, he'll hit the occasional three, but he's not just gunning it from three. You know, he he does a lot of ways to score that's not with the three ball. And that opens up when Ben Simmons isn't on the court with him. You can even go back to when Simmons played without Embiid. Simmons would go off for triple doubles like it was nothing because the floor opens up for both of them they're both more successful without each other it's just you can see it's simple basketball you can just watch the film just watch a game of them playing without each other and you see how much better they move without the ball how many more open opportunities they get it just the, the and you would think it would be the opposite with two superstars playing with each other you think that you would have to focus on one and they get a lot of easy matchups it's, but that's not the case it doesn't work that way for some reason. And that's because Ben Simmons can't shoot or refuses to shoot. You know, he doesn't try to keep the defense honest, which is a very frustrating thing about watching him play is he is not willing to shoot a three. He's just not willing to do it. And that's the thing. He gets buckets off transition, layups, dunks, a few post moves. And that's how Embiid scores. But, Simmons is a little more of a guard in his way, in his ability to dribble and pass. But for him to be successful and put up the numbers that you want, and for his team to be successful, he's got to be able to get to the lane. And he can't do that as well when he has Embiid down there. It just, it hasn't worked. And I don't know which one you trade. It depends on what kind of offense you want. Do you want to surround a player? Do you want an interior guy who's going to bully down low and do his thing on the block and be a, you know, a good defensive player? Or do you want more of a transition guy who's going to find the open teammates and make things happen for others while also getting his own 20 a night? It's, I, think, I really think that's how it works. I, I think you got to go one direction or the other. Because I I just don't think it works. It ha- it hasn't worked to this point, and I know they were just one buzzer beater away from potentially, if then they were to go on to beat the Bucks to be in the finals. Kawhi Leonard hit one of the biggest shots, and it came against Philly. If for the for those who forget about recent mem- about recent history, but I just I just don't I just don't know. I just don't see it being a. F- a fit that's going to win you a championship because they get in each other's way that one of them has to, it's a rock meets an immovable object. That's what it is. It, it, it just, it's just something needs to change. And I don't know if it's the coach. I really don't know if now is Brent Brown, the guy to win a championship. Mm. You know, the book, the case is still out on that, but I still, still just don't think it could work. Even if you brought in a good coach. Now, maybe if you just surrounded them with shooters, then it could work. But people see it like that. People should see that it should work like that. But it doesn't. You know, Tobias Harris isn't that great a shooter. Richardson isn't that good a shooter. They tried to go for length. They tried to go for size. And to this point, it just hasn't really been as successful as they thought it would be. You know, they're, they're still in it they're still in the hunt in the east i think the east is wide open you know and the, the bucks are my pick as of now that's the easy one to go to but i am not confident in that at all i'm not confident that they'll come out of the east at all because the celtics are legit the raptors are legit and that was a good one tonight that was the first game on tnt was that bucks raptors game and it was a good one it was a very enjoyable game bucks walked away with the victory. But I still think the Raptors are dangerous. I think the Heat are dangerous. And the 76ers are dangerous. Like, that top five, I don't, I don't believe in the Pacers. Depot's not 100%. He's just coming back from a horrific injury. He needs time. So I don't think the Pacers are there. And they just lost Jeremy Lamb, too. So Pacers are not there. But that top five, the top five right there, Bucks, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, 76ers, those five teams, could, I could all see somehow making it to the finals. If the matchups, if the seeding works right, depending on who plays who in the first round of that four and five, it, and then the next round after that, it, it, it could go any number of ways. The Bucks are the safe pick, but I'm not confident in that at all. Not confident in it at all. But... You know, unfortunate for Simmons, hopefully he can get back out there, you know, just 23 years young. So I think he'll be back, yeah, not that soon, obviously. They're not rushing him back, So, but we'll see him, I think, um, come later March, right before the playoff push. He'll come in the week before the playoffs, you know, get his rhythm back, and we'll see. But I still think that Embiid and Simmons, you know, cannot coexist Maybe they can prove me wrong. Go prove me wrong. Go prove me wrong. I hope you can do it. Anyways, we'll move on. Topic number four that I want to get to. We're going to stay NBA before I make the switch over to another sport for topic number five. But for number four, uh, the other week, something that crossed my mind. This isn't really today's news. This is just, I think this was last week. But I do remember reading a comment by one, the beard James Harden saying if he had stayed with Oklahoma City, that they would have won a championship. And I think the reporter asked him, do you think if you stayed, if they kept you, would you have won a championship? And obviously he answered with a resounding, hell yeah. Hell yeah, we would have. Yeah, we would have won a championship. And he's got good reason to think that. They had three future MVPs on the roster at one time with Durant, Harden, Westbrook. And, you know, they had a Baca. They had Collison. Like, they still had guys. Like, they still had guys there. You know, they didn't just fall off the face of the earth when Durant left. And I know they've been a good story so far. But, you know, none of those guys are there. It's the Chris Paul show now. But it it made me think, would they have won a championship? And I know they lost in 2012 to the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat were going to win the championship against anyone that year. And then the Miami Heat went back to back. But I I honestly do believe if Harden stays, I still think Scott Brooks gets the the axe. I think he still loses his job. But I think they bring in a different coach, and I think they do end up winning at least one championship. And I feel like if they win one championship, they're staying together to try and win more championships. Why leave an opportunity to win championships? And I I don't see how you could have stopped it. You know, Durant is one of the most prolific scorers ever. Same can be said about James Harden. One of the most prolific scorers ever. Russell Westbrook's debatably the most athletic point guard of all time. You know, they had some solid pieces with the Baca. You know, Stephen Adams was an up-and-coming player. Nick Collison was still there. It's just they had... All of it. And I still think Scott Brooks is a good coach. I I think he is a good coach. I think maybe they could have won a championship with him as well. I don't want to discredit him because I actually do think he is a really solid coach. But I do think they would have won a championship. But now you got to think about the timeline. When would they have won said championship? And I think it would have been either the year... After the Spurs won, so the Spurs lost to the Heat, and then they won, and then they beat Miami in fourteen, and then fifteen rolls around, and that's when Golden State, you know, does their thing, and Curry gets his first championship. Igadala wins the MVP. I think that's the year. Like I think if they're all together, you know, they're not in Houston. Harden's not in Houston. They're all together. And they showed it like the Thunder were in the year after that, 2016, the Thunder were up 3-1 against Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Like, I I don't know how we just completely forget about this, that part of it. But Durant was up 3-1 to the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. And then they went on to lose the next three. And then they ended up, you know, losing 3-1 to LeBron James in the greatest finals ever. But you know, that's neither here nor there. But just with Durant and Westbrook alone, they were up 3-1. Now imagine adding in another guy who can score 30 points. And I think they worked well together. They made it to an NBA Finals when they were all relatively young and upcoming. And LeBron, Dwayne, and Bosh were just the superior trio. But you keep those three together, try to make something happen? Absolutely. I think absolutely they win a championship. And I don't see how you argue it another way. And the Thunder could be a champions. But nope, they wanted to go cheap and sell James Harden to Houston for Jeremy Lamb, of all people who actually do like as a player, and then like a first-round pick. But it wasn't like a lottery pick. It wasn't this big, overwhelming pick that's going to change it. It was just they went cheap. They just didn't want to pay these guys big money. And then funny enough, they have the biggest payroll in the league last year and the year before. It's like, all right, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but you don't need to be stupid. You know, you don't need to think that your same mistakes are going to hurt you again. It's like, you know, you, you should have paid the guys big money when you had a chance. You should have ponied up. And you just... That, that's just bad management. I know Sam Presti is a good general manager. He's keeping the Thunder in playoff contention with losing Westbrook, losing Paul George. It's like people say that. And I agree. I didn't think they were going to be anything like this. They're the biggest surprise in the league by far. You know, I no one could have said they were, they were going to be this good. No chance. Absolutely no chance. Would you would you, could you have told me that the Thunder would be a six seed? And just four games out of second place in the Western Conference standings come late February. I, I would have laughed. I would. I would have. I, I wouldn't have believed it. I would be like, no chance. Absolutely no chance. There's a lot of teams better than them. I would have assumed Phoenix would have been better than them, but, you know, how wrong was I? Talk about a freezing cold tape. But, it's. Just, I, I just truly believe. I. I believe Harden. If he stays, they win a championship. Too much talent. Too much talent to not make it work. Absolutely way too much talent. You had three future MVPs: Durant, Westbrook, Harden. It doesn't get much more unstoppable than that. And I think at some point it would have gotten to Harden, should start, and you start all three together. And I don't care about the bench scoring. You can stagger minutes to where guys can play with and without each other, and you still get the productivity. I 100% believe that. But I think they win a championship, and at this point, I think they could be fighting for multiple championships had they stayed together. But, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and that's why we live in reality, and you can't predict it, and you can't go back and change things, which makes it that much better that he left and that the Thunder didn't win, and then they... And then Durant leaves. And then they trade Westbrook. And now Westbrook and Harden are on the same team together. Just so interesting. And that's why the NBA is the most fascinating sport when it comes to free agents and where guys end up playing. And it's not even close compared to the other teams. Like, this is the first offseason for the NFL that I could say that it's actually interesting because a lot of guys are free agents. NFL, they lock you up. They have you. You're under contract. If you're drafted by an organization, they could hold on to you forever. They got rookie extensions. They got. They just have everything. They got the franchise tag. Like they could. They can just hold on to you for dear life, and you could never smell free agency. That's why Tom Brady's smelling free agency for the first time in, and he's over forty. I mean, he's been playing for over twenty seasons, and he's finally a free agent. It's like, huh, how does that work? You know, Philip Rivers, he's never been a free agent. He's been, he spent his whole career with the Chargers, signing extension after extension. And now free agent. Just, it, it's the inevitable. It, free agency, it makes it, it makes a world of difference. And I think the NFL is going to see that. And, um, but like I said, Arden, I think you're right. Thunder win a championship. And with that, we'll move on. Fifth topic that I want to get to. You know it. I think I've talked about it every single podcast thus far. The Houston Astros cheating scandal. Now, for, for some reason, when I mention this story to people, people don't realize what the Astros actually did. So we're going to go, we're going to take a little turn in time. We're going to go back to 2017. So what the Astros did, they set up a camera in center field, just like you see in your, you know, broadcast on TV. And what you see is they would zoom in on the catcher, giving the signs to the pitcher. That's how they, you know, throw fastball, change up, curveball slider they give hand signals you know they throw down a one usually for fastball and then two three four five for whatever other pitch they have and they do different hand signals you know to signal what to do and well the astros would zoom in and relay this information in real time from from this camera to a monitor in the dugout and in the dugout they would see it on the monitor. And then they would bang on a trash can to signal what pitch it is. If it was an off-speed pitch, they'd bang on the trash can multiple times. Or they'd just bang on it. If it was a fastball, there would be no bang. So if you know that, you know what pitch is coming. And baseball is all about pitching. I don't care what anyone else tells you. Yeah, you got to put runs on the board, but pitching is the most important thing when it comes to baseball. It's, not a, it's hands down the most important thing that comes to any sport. Besides basketball, putting the ball in the cup, baseball, it's pitching. you got to have good pitching. and But if you know what pitch is coming, you already have a super unfair advantage. And that's what they did. They did this for a full season. They won a championship on it. It was proven that then they didn't do the same thing in 2018, but it was showed that they used a different form of cheating in 2018. And now the MLB report that came out on the – that they released said – didn't see any cheating in 2019 but players throughout the league are for certain that they cheated the past 3 years and and I agree with them why would you stop cheating if it's been so successful f- for you to this point you've won a world series you know you made it you won your division you went back to the playoffs it's like why would you stop why would you stop cheating and that it doesn't make any sense that these players can you know be say whatever they want and try to manipulate us to think that they didn't cheat in 2019 but they 100% did you don't stop cheating especially if it's working so well for you and you know they've dug they've dug a deep grave for themselves it just keeps getting bigger every time anyone from this organization of the Houston Astros speaks about this scandal it just gets worse for them they just make matters worse so that's why it's interesting to see other people talk about them Because players have been very outspoken about it. Players have been very outspoken about it. You know, Mike Trout has even spoken about it. He's a guy, he never gives anyone sound bites. But, you know, he gave a funny comment of, I wish I knew what pitch was coming. It'd make make it a lot of fun. And you got to think, yeah, it would. Giancarlo Stanton said he would hit 80 home runs if he knew what pitch was coming. I think he would hit more. In only 162 games, maybe. But it's just, the way people are talking about it, you know, it's just players are going off. Players are letting them have it. And it's been great. And it's been absolutely spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And actually, a big name spoke out about it today. A Mr. Derek Jeter spoke out about the Astros scandal. Everyone's getting involved in talking about this. Everyone wants to talk about it. And it's the, it's the biggest story in sports as of right now. That's why I've wanted to talk about it every single time. I absolutely love this story, and it needs to be talked about. And I just think it's funny. Before I get into what Derek Jeter said, I need to mention what the owner said. Now, I'm not going to talk about what he said at the press conference. I'm going to talk about something of, that was reported on him thinking that this scandal is going to blow over in spring training. Now, might be the dumbest comment made to this point, because let's think about this for a second. We still talk about the Chicago White Sox of 1919, who threw the the World Series, the, the infamous Black Sox, if you will, with Shoeless Joe. They cheated. They literally threw the World Series, and we still talk about it. And that was 100 years ago. It's still a renownedly known thing. Pete Rose betting 30 years ago 40 years ago at this late like, happened decades ago we still talk about it it's still talked about steroids 15 years now we still talk about steroids because all these guys are up for the hall of fame it's something that's still constantly talked about and this owner has the audacity to think that the scandal that's bigger than all of these, all of those, besides throwing and losing on purpose, uh, he thinks it's going to end in spring training. Oh, it's just getting started. Jim Crane, it's just getting started, especially now that they're playing games. I love it. The first game in there in West Palm Beach, I understand for a home game, already took away a fan sign, and it was an incredible sign. It said the Houston Asterix. I absolutely love the sign, and I I'm going to steal the sign. If I go to a game where the Astros are playing and I am going to bring a sign that says the same thing because I think that's one of the greatest things. Houston Asterix, very great. Anyways, this the team, they confiscated, they stole their first signs of 2020 by stealing these fan signs. I understand it's a home, spring home training game. They don't want to see that. They can get away with that. They're not going to get away with that at, on away games. They're not going to get away with that on the road. If anything, teams are going to encourage that. If anything, they could have fun with it. They could have like trash can night, or they could just do it. Teams can do a number of bizarre things when the Astros come to town, and fans are going to let them have it. Oh, it just the booze, the resounding booze that Altuve got in his first at bat were incredible. And then Korea, oh, just just keep digging that grave a little deeper by saying I oh, trying to play it off as if he didn't hear it. Yeah, just keep that up when you guys make it to forget these spring training facilities. Wait till you get to these. Wait till you get to the Bronx in New York. Wait till, wait till those fans receive you. You know, wait till the people in your division. You know, go up against you. It's just the audacity. For him to say something like that. He's just making matters worse. And it's it's going to be bad for them this year. They've only played a couple spring training games. And they have already been hit six times. Houston batters have been hit by pitches six times already. Six. And I think they've played like two or three games maybe. That's a lot. They are going to get hit by pitches so much this year. And it would be unacceptable if the commissioner, Rob Manfred, were to suspend players for doing this. I think it's street justice. And yeah, you're going out there intentionally hurting them. They went out and intentionally ruined careers. The Astros destroyed careers with this. With this sign-stealing scandal, they absolutely changed how baseball is now going to work. Like, they they changed it. Like, there's going to be MLB officials, like, standing in the dugout, you know, making sure people aren't doing something as ridiculous as banging on a trash can to signal what pitch is coming. They, they changed the game with their cheating. And it just, it just keeps getting better and better. And it's going to get awful for them. And I, I'm here for it. I'm all here for it. I know I went off right there, but we will get to what the captain, Mr. Derek Jeter, part owner of the Miami Marlins, had to say about it. He said, it's a little bit of a black eye for baseball. I'll give you the quote right here. It's like a slow drip of responses come out from everyone. You hope at some point people can just move on, but it's unfortunate. It's a black eye for the sport. Now, when it comes to moving on, I disagree. We're not going to move on. It, it, there is no moving on. They cheated. It's like and it's a resounding cheat. Yeah, we can move into twenty twenty. But this is something that's gonna be talked about forever. This is this is part of baseball now. That a team went to this level to sign steal. Sign stealing has always been a part of the game. It's something that a true baseball fan knows, but a casual fan might not realize. But now, everyone knows. And everyone knows that the level they took it to, and that it was unacceptable. That it was way too far. Go on with cheaters quo here. When you talk about people trying to get an edge in baseball, I don't think that's anything new. But have people have been trying... ...to do it for years, but obviously people took it too far and there are penalties for it. They're paying the price. Regardless of what the penalties are, others are going to have their opinion on what they think should happen. You hope that over time it passes, but I'm sure this is going to string for a while. And yes it is, Derek. It's going to string for a very long time. It's going to be talked about forever. It's going to be related to the Houston Astros for the rest of the organization's existence. It's just a part of it now. They made it a part of it. And that's another thing. None of these players are taking responsibility. None of them want to get in front of a mic. And I loved it how this used to be one of the most outspoken teams with Verlander and Correa and Bregman. The whole gang of them just love to get in front of a microphone and speak on things. But now that the microphones are there in their face asking them questions, we get nothing. We get absolutely nothing and that just makes me think that they're not sorry. They aren't sorry. They don't I don't think they really feel that much remorse. They don't I don't think they regret what they did. They they it got them a championship. It got their careers pushed to new heights. It made their lives better. The the only thing they're sorry for is that they got caught. That's the only thing they're sorry for. And I, that's how Chris Bryant put it. And I agree with my Cub third baseman. That's what they're sorry for. They're just sorry that they were caught. They they don't care. They would keep they would still be stealing signs if they didn't get caught, if Mike Fires didn't come forward. And I don't like how people are shooting him down either. I get it. The clubhouse is supposed to be this sanctuary of untalked about things and what happens in the in a major league clubhouse or any Sports locker room stays in that clubhouse. I get it. But when you're destroying the integrity of your sport by the levels you're going to to cheat, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Oh, and and something was done. Not enough was done, but something was done. And it was put a stop to, and baseball needs to put a stop to it. They did, and... You know, will other teams do it? I'm sure they will. I'm sure other teams will find a way to do it. You just can't give teams access to the replay room. You got to cut all that shit out. Make sure there's no chance for technology. There needs to be team officials in the clubhouses. Not team officials, major league officials. They need a league person in each dugout, making sure some kind of crap like this isn't happening again because this can't happen again. And it better not happen again. So, it just, I'm sure just keep more and more. Just keep it coming, baby. It, it, the, this Astro story is uh, feeding me. It just feeds me. And just because I love baseball, I'm glad baseball is back. And I, I'm looking forward to cheer on my Cubbies this year. And, you know, now have that new enemy of the Houston Astros. So, this is great. You know, fuck the Astros. Go Cubs, go. And, uh, you know, That's all five of my topics today, but you know, we do have the final segment and it's time for the old unpopular opinion. I'm going to make this quick though. My unpopular opinion of the day for the NBA, load management is not an issue. Here's why it's not an issue. There's only a number of guys in this league who truly load manage. It's Kawhi Leonard, maybe Paul George. And other than that, that's it. That's it, folks. uh, Unless someone else can show me someone who's like consistently like not playing back to backs, you know, sitting out every other game. It just who who is doing that? No one. I think it's a fake excuse for why the ratings are down. I think people want to point fingers to why the ratings in the NBA are down. And I've spoken on it before. I think it's the media's fault for doing this on why the NBA ratings are down because they've beaten it into everyone's minds that the regular season doesn't matter and it only matters come playoff time. And, you know, the dumb, docile Americans, you know, eat that kind of stuff up and are like, yeah, hmm, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, regular season doesn't matter, so why would I watch? Why would I watch a Thursday game of Portland versus Indiana and the Los Angeles Lakers against the Golden State Warriors? It's like, you know, why, why would you watch? It's like, you know, I'm told these games suck. I'm told, you know, I'm told they don't matter. They're not important. So, yeah, why would I watch? It doesn't matter. That That's the real issue. Everyone's been told that the it doesn't matter. Whereas, the, this whole resting and load management thing, it really only happens to a few select players. It's really only a couple of guys that this is a thing for. Specifically Kawhi Leonard. And it, yeah, that's what the Clippers have done. They literally came out and said, yeah, we're going to load manage. That's what we're going to do. We are going to load manage. That's just, that's what it is. Yeah, you know, I truly think Kawhi Leonard needs it. Kawhi Leonard cannot play eighty two games in a season. I don't think his body can take it. I I truly do not believe that he, he can play eighty two games and then go into a playoffs and play every game in the playoffs. I, I don't I don't think he his body can physically stand it. And I don't wanna assume he has any injury. I don't want to assume that he's not well. But I truly think it's it's either something mental with him or literally his body cannot take take it. I, I just I don't think so. Like why if he if he could play 82, why wouldn't he? Other guys do it. LeBron doesn't sit out. LeBron only sits out when it's an injury or when the game doesn't matter and it's the end of a regular season and they're saving him for the playoffs. And I don't consider that load management. I call that holding your guys out and getting them rest. You know, there's a big difference. And that's another thing. Load management isn't a big deal. Would you rather have your top... If load management happened with all of these players, wouldn't you want your guys healthy for the playoffs? Like, wouldn't you want them ready to go for the playoffs rather than abusing themselves in January and February and, you know, running themselves, you know, dead? and then when the playoffs time comes rolls around they're not ready it's like that doesn't make any sense i want my guys healthy i want them ready to go i want them 100% for the playoffs and ready to get after it and whereas people just complain oh they don't play who but load management doesn't apply really to anyone other than a few select players and we try to point it like it happens all throughout the league and it's like oh every team It's doing load management. That's why the ratings are down. It's like, no, not not a lot of teams are load managing. Not a lot of players load manage. Frankly, it's one or two guys. And frankly, of the superstars, most of the superstars all play when they're healthy. Like, they're usually all out there when they're 100% healthy. LeBron doesn't take nights off when he's healthy. Steph Curry didn't take nights off when he was healthy. Kevin Durant didn't take nights off when he was healthy. Anthony Davis doesn't take nights off when he's healthy. James Harden doesn't take nights off when he's healthy. Russell Westbrook plays every game. It just I, I'm, I'm just trying to... Giannis plays every game when he's healthy. I, I, I just don't see who is using this load management thing. That's why my unpopular opinion is load management isn't a big deal. And I'm surprised it gets as much press as it does because I don't think it's a big deal at all. It's either I want my guys 100% healthy for the playoffs and then I also think about it, just load management doesn't apply to that many people for us to be concerned with it. There's not that much load management going off to where we need to be discussing it thoroughly and in depth. And I'm telling you, this is going to be the last time I ever speak on load management because that's how insignificant I think it is. And that is my unpopular opinion for the day. Load management doesn't matter. And that is the conclusion of Episode 5 of Hang Time with Halgi. Thanks for listening. And uh, Episode 6, I promise, will be on the way soon. You won't have to wait for it long. But until then, I'm out peace deuces until next time thanks for listening all right be easy